0: Alright, well today we are going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And the title of my message is, A New Way of Life. The Bible tells us that if any person is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. That the old is past, behold, all things are new. God has made us new people from the inside out. At the beginning of 1 Peter, Peter tells Christians who had been going through some difficult times suffering under a, a wicked emperor named Nero, he told them that they've been born again according to the mercies of God. That they've been born again unto a living hope and they have an inheritance that's That's incorruptible, undefiled, kept in heaven for them. Alright? And so these Christians that the Apostle Peter was writing were going through some of the most difficult times. They were being chased down by dogs. The Emperor Nero would have them chased down and eaten by dogs. They were being wrapped in candle wax and put up and lit on fire to light up Nero's garden. This was an ungodly leader in the first century who was tearing stuff up and then he was blaming. He lit Rome on fire and he was blaming it on Christians, saying that it's the Christians' fault. And so he's writing a church that was suffering. They were going through fiery trials, he talked about. Fiery trials. Their faith was being tested. They were, they were having difficult time and, and so he calls them to put their hope in God. In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13, he says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. With the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without spot, without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. And all God's people said? Amen to that. So here's our big idea. This is where we're going from the text today. Namely, that God has redeemed His people and given them a bright future of hope. So He calls them to live in such a way that reflects that redemption and hope That they possess. Amen. So first of all, he tells the the people of God to prepare their minds for action. Now, whenever you see in the Bible a therefore, you want to go back and look and see what it's there for. Okay, this particular therefore was connected back to what Peter has already said. He's, he's, he has already said before that that God has caused them to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you. Okay. So just think about how comforting that is when your world, when everything that you know and love in this life is being stripped from you. You're being displaced. Family members are being killed. And life is hard. How comforting that must be to be reminded that you have a hope beyond this life, beyond the grave, that you have an inheritance. When you're stripped of everything you have in this life, how comforting and encouraging it must be to know that you have an inheritance that is incorrupt and undefiled and nobody can steal it from you. That's what Peter was reminding these Christians. He's reminding them that they've been born again. They've been born into a new family. The family of God. And God the Father takes care of His children. He loves His children and He takes care of them. And and we have an inheritance. And the inheritance that we have for all eternity with God is a part of that living hope. It's connected to that living hope. We're looking forward to something that's really, really special. And nobody can take it from us. It's being kept in heaven for us. Amen? So he calls the people of God to live in hope. He says, preparing your minds for action, be sober-minded, and set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. I love the old hymn, Soon and very soon We are going to see the King Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. No more crying there. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. So we should set our hope fully upon the grace that's going to be brought to us that day. When we see the King, He's going to wipe every tear from our eye. There's going to be no more sickness, no more death, no more injustice. He promises you and I who are believers. How many believers do we have here today? You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're a child of God. You've been born again. You're, you're in the family and you got a hope that is living and alive. And, and by the way, the implication is, if you have a hope that is living and alive, that means it should be growing. That hope should be growing and, and, and expanding inside of you. And so we have this living hope inside of us because we're born again. But then we're told to set our hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us. There's two participles here that are connected to that. He says, prepare your minds for action and being sober minded. So here's the idea. If you got the the King James Bible, it says to gird up the loins of your mind. And some of y'all like, what does that mean? Gird up the loins of your mind. And so because we don't have to gird up our loins too much in, in these days. In the first century, they did, all right? And this is what that looked like right here, okay? Uh, men and women, they wore these long robes, all right? And if it, if there was something about to go down, there was some action, they needed to move around, they needed to run, they needed to play some sports or whatever, they needed to gird up their loins. So men and women, well, and this, here's a picture of a guy. So what they do is they tuck their robe under their legs and they pull it over and they tuck it in their waist. Alright? That's gird up, gird up your loins. Alright? Get ready. In my day, when I was running the streets, it, that means like, pull your pants up. Alright? And get, roll your sleeves up. Alright? Get ready for action. Okay? But I ain't living that lifestyle anymore. Cause Jesus Christ set me free. Prepare your minds for action. All that, all those cumbersome things that keep you, that are going on in your mind, that are worldly things, Gird up the loins of your mind. Get those things tied up so they're not weighing you down and distracting you from seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Gird up the loins of your mind. Also, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Okay, Peter says this a couple different times in his epistle. Look what he says in 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. For the sake of your prayers. First Peter 4, 7. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Now remember who's writing this. This is Peter, one of Jesus' close homeboys, one of the, the top 12, 12 disciples. One of the top three, Peter, James, and John. Jesus, when he goes to pray in the garden, he says, Peter, James, and John, y'all come with me. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful under death. And this is what he tells him. He says, watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. So Peter's like, all right. He sits down. What does he do for an hour? He falls asleep. Was he being sober-minded and watchful? He was tired and he fell asleep. This is an important time for Jesus. He's about to bear the sins of the world. He's feeling the weight of the sins of the world coming upon his soul and he was about to take it upon his very body and bear the sins of the world as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The perfect sacrifice, the only sufficient sacrifice for sinners like you and me. He's the only Savior. All right, And so Peter Peter learned this lesson, be sober minded, because what happened? What did Peter end up doing when they came to arrest Jesus? He wants to bring out his sword and start fighting. And then he denies Jesus like Jesus told him he would do. And then he denies that he was with Jesus. Right. He denies that he was with Jesus. And, and and then he starts cussing and the rooster crows. And man, he was he he felt bad. All right. But Jesus graciously restored Peter and had a plan for him. Look at what Jesus said in, in, in Luke 21: 34, "But watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap." So Jesus also, he, he, he tells his followers, "Watch yourselves. Don't let your hearts get weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness, but not just drunkenness, but the cares of this life." OK? Now for some some of you all, you may have had struggle with, and and struggle even now with getting drunk. Alright, that used to be an issue for me. But for those of us who don't struggle with drinking and getting drunk or, or using drugs, what about the cares of this life? The worries of this life? Are we letting those things intoxicate our mind and distract us from seeking first the kingdom of God? Because the cares of this life will choke the word, the life of the word out of us. And keep us from being fruitful in this Christian life. And Peter is calling the people of God to live in hope, to live differently. Because they have a new identity. They should have new conduct in how they live. Okay? The the, 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 the theologian Wayne Grudem says this, The be sober forbids not only physical drunkenness, but also letting the mind wander into any other kind of mental intoxication Addiction which inhibits spiritual alertness or any laziness of mind which lulls Christians into a sin through carelessness. Be awake. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because there's an enemy out there that wants to harm you. But also Jesus is coming back. He says like a thief in the night, unexpectedly. And also he so connected to this command to live in hope is this command to live in holiness. In verse 14, Peter says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Now, I love that Peter gives theological basis for the the why behind the what. What? He doesn't just tell Christians what to do. This is what you should do and this is how you should live. But he also tells them why. Okay, I'm a dad and and, and teaching my kids the the right way. I got to explain to them why we're doing what we're doing because I don't want them merely to obey externally but not have the heart and know the why behind what we do what we do as Christians. Here's a part of the why Christians should live in holiness because we're obedient children now. We were once disobedient children. If you're, if you're a Christian, you're an obedient child of God. You have a bent towards obedience now. You want to obey, do you not? And he says, do not be conformed to the passions of, the, of your former ignorance. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. What's the basis here, the theological basis for living holy lives? What does Peter say it is? You shall be holy for." I'm holy. God, God is saying, be like me. If, if you're my child, live like me. Imitate your heavenly father who's holy. Now that word holy just means to be, to be set apart. Okay, A simple way to explain it. And holiness is more than just being set apart from some things, but it's also being set apart for some things. Now there are things like the former passions of your former ignorance. The, the lust of the flesh, fleshly lust, that war against your soul, Peter called it. Um, these are things that we should be set apart from and not let those 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 sins pull us down and distract us. But also we should be we should be set apart to be used by God for his glory, to, to bless other people. Let let our light shine before men that they may see our good works. And glorify your Father in heaven. At home, my wife and I we have some we have some special uh, uh, china that that was given to us, and it's and it's Christmas china, and it's in the cupboard. And you know what? We don't we don't use it all the time because it's it's special. It's set apart for a certain time of the year, December, and when we'll pull it out and we'll use it because it's set apart and it's and it's special, right? And in a similar way, you and I are special to God, and we're set apart not only from sin, but we're set apart for the glory of God, for God's purposes. He wants to fill us and use us. When you go to the kitchen and you want to get something to eat, you want to go for a a, a bowl or a plate or a cup that's clean, right? And you're going to use it. God wants to make us clean vessels, not just so we can sit there and be clean, but so that we can be filled and used for His glory. Amen? I like how Paul said it when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22. He said, flee youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call out on the Lord with a pure heart. So again, holiness isn't just what we abstain from, but it's also what we are set apart for. Amen? All right, so live in hope and live in holiness. And by the way, this hope we have of seeing Jesus, this has a purifying effect on us. The hope that we have because of the promises of the gospel has a purifying effect on us. John put it like this in 1st John 3. He said that we're going to see him and become like him. We're going to be changed and become like Jesus. That's, he's speaking of glorification when we get new bodies. Amen. Is that going to, anybody looking forward to that? You got a body that's falling apart and you ready for your new one? we're going to be changed and and have these glorified bodies. No disease, no decay, no dandruff. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to get my hair back. And, And so John says, everyone who has this hope of seeing Him and becoming like Him, they purify themselves. You see, when we're living for what's to come, the world to come, it helps guard us against the fleshly lust of this world. This world is passing away and the lust thereof. But he who does the will of God Lives forever. Amen. So live in holiness, but also live in the fear of the Lord. Verse 17. He says, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout this time of your exile. Okay, again, Peter uses this language. He says, you guys are exiles. You guys are aliens. You guys are sojourners. You're just passing through. This is ultimately not your home, okay? Though you may be a citizen of the United States of America, you know what? If you're a Christian, you're a citizen of heaven. And that's your home. And that's where our ultimate loyalty should be towards God and His everlasting kingdom. And so he says, if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially, conduct yourselves with fear. This is the fear of the Lord he's talking about. Now Peter doesn't want Christians to live fearful lives of the bad things that were happening in the world. Instead, Peter wants Christians to have a holy fear of God. Why? Because he judges impartially. So he is our Father. If, if, we're, if you're a Christian, you're a child of God, you can pray and you can rightfully say, our Father in heaven. You can talk to Him as your Father and simply come to Him as a Son or a daughter. But know this. He's not a pushover kind of dad. He's not a dad that you can just get away with anything you want. He's also a dad who judges impartially. There's no impartiality with him. He will reward us according to our deeds. And if we, if we walk in disobedience, our Heavenly Father will give us a spanking. Alright? God disciplines those He loves, Hebrews 12 tells us. Okay, He's a good Father who disciplines those He loves. He's not a pushover, so we should have this holy fear of God. And again, this, this has a purifying effect on us. It's been said that the fear of the Lord is living with the awareness that God's eyes are in every place beholding the good and the evil. God is watching. God is watching. I got a friend who put above his TV years ago, right above his TV, he wrote a little sign that says, God is watching. And you know why he put that there? Because he was struggling with what he was watching and he wanted to be reminded, God is watching, so I'm going to be watching out. I'm, what, what I'm watching. And that should motivate us when we know God sees us. And it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Like, oh, he's going to get me. It can be a positive thing too. God is watching God, you see this faithfulness. You see this obedience. You're you're not unjust to forget this labor of love, this work of faith. You will reward faithfulness. Maybe some some of you guys need to be reminded tonight that God sees you. God sees you. You've been been pressing through. You've been holding on. You've been praying. You've been trying to do the right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. And it's been hard. God sees you. And He cares. He cares. And He will reward faithfulness. Amen? So He, the Bible says in uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1, it says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness in the fear of God. Do you see how the fear of God also motivates and moves us towards a life of holiness, a life of being set apart? Y'all see it? God is holy. He's he's set apart. Peter also gives us some some more theological basis here. And this is a mouthful of the gospel. This is what Peter says in verse 18. He says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without spot or blemish, Saints, you've been redeemed. You've been ransomed from the feudal ways inherited by your forefathers. There's this, there's this idea out there of, um, that many, many Christians call it a generational curse. Or generational sins. Let, let me just say this about, there, there is this tendency, I think, within children to, to do what mom and dad does. Right? We see mom and dad do certain things and, and there's this tendency. But but here, let me just say this, whether you call that generational sin or generational curse or whatever, let me just say this, the gospel of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it breaks curses off of your lives, breaks sinful patterns off of your lives, so you don't have to live like your mom or dad used to live sinfully, alright, if you had ungodly parents, or your grandpa, or, or so on, you don't have to live like that. My father was an alcoholic, and my grandfather was an alcoholic. I came from a broken family. My my mom was on drugs. My dad died when I was 15 years old. And and I became a Christian right before I turned 17 years old. And Jesus Christ set me free. He broke the curse of sin on my life so that I didn't have to continue to live in that pattern that my father and grandfather and and their fathers lived in. Alright? I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that's the power of the gospel working in somebody's life. It breaks off the curse. You've been redeemed. You've been ransomed. You've been paid for with the precious blood of Jesus. as the old hymn says, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Oh how precious is the flow that makes me white as snow oh, no other fountain I know nothing but the blood of oh, jesus this is all our hope and peace this is all our righteousness nothing but the blood of jesus the lamb of god who shed his blood for you and i peter's peter is referring back to the passover lamb in the old testament god told moses to put the kill a lamb, a spotless lamb, and put it over the doorpost of the house. And wherever the blood of the lamb was over that home, the, the spirit of death would pass over and not kill the, the, the firstborn. And the Egyptians' firstborn sons were killed. But those, those, those Israelites who put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, the, the angel of death passed over them. And God delivered them from experiencing that death. And if you're a Christian, you have the blood of Jesus over your life. And you've been you you've been you passed from death to life. You have eternal life. Your sins are forgiven and washed away. Perhaps there's somebody here today who hasn't experienced that yet. Because when you experience that, everything changes. God changes us from the inside out. Okay, look at what he says in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. I believe that's the truth of the gospel. Believing it. Responding to it. Obedience to the truth. For a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again. Again, here's theological basis. For this is how we should live. A new way to live. Because you have a new identity. Okay, God says, this is who you are. You're a child of God, Live like it. And you know what children of God do? First John tells us, one of the overarching marks of children of God is that they love. God is love. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is the fruit of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. It's a it's an evidence that we are children of God, that we love one another and we practice righteousness, first John says. So he says, love one another earnestly. Have this sincere brotherly love. Don't just act like you love those people around you. Don't just be committed to appearing loving. Some some folks are, are, are they, they're more concerned about looking like they love people than they really are loving people in their hearts. God says, let it be real, let it be sincere. Because you've been born again. You're a child of God. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. The good news is the Gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And it's through hearing that message and believing that, that God gives us life, new life, eternal life. Something supernatural happens on the inside when somebody hears the gospel and they believe it and they're born again. God takes the liar and he makes them speakers and preachers of truth. He takes the thief and he makes them givers. He takes the murderer at heart, those filled with hatred and bitterness, and He puts love and kindness in them. He takes the sexually moral, and He puts them on paths of righteousness and holiness. This is what it means to be born again, to be changed from the inside out by the Spirit of God, by the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's somebody here today who needs this. Jesus said, unless you're born again... You won't see the kingdom of heaven and you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to be born again. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't know if I'm born again. I went to church, say my prayers, got baptized. I don't know if I'm born again. I don't know if I'm really changed. I don't know if I really know Him and got a personal relationship with Him. You need that. John seventeen three, Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. And so I want to ask you tonight, do you know him? It's not enough to just know about him. It's not enough to just know your Bibles. It's not enough to just know Jesus as a historical figure. I know about Abraham Lincoln, but I don't know him. I don't have a personal relationship. You say, well, how can we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, I'm glad you asked. You just come to him in faith because he's alive. He didn't stay dead. He was resurrected. And you know what? When you come to Him and you put your faith in Him and you call upon His name for salvation, you will be saved and God will give you His Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to seal you, to change you, to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, to guide you in this life. Has the grace of God taught your heart to fear God And has the grace of God relieved you of fear of judgment and condemnation because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Daily quiet your heart and mind to reflect on the hope that you have through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just think about it. Think about what God has done for you. Think about His kindness towards you. Pursue holiness in your thoughts and actions, discerning what is pleasing to God and what isn't pleasing to God. Okay, pursue holiness. And, and, and it's not just about your actions, but it's your internal life. God's concerned about your heart and your thoughts. And so holiness starts internally. right? God wants to change us from the inside out. Okay, we don't want to be Pharisees who wash the outside of the cup, who look holy on the outside, But inside we're dead and there's no life in us. God calls us for holiness on the inside out. Purity from the inside out. When you go to the store and you get a bottle of water. And if you found a bottle of water that said 99% purified water but 1% sewage water. Are you going to buy that water? like, what? I don't want that. I want the pure water, right? God wants purity in His people. And He's provided the means to make us pure from the inside out. Through the blood of Jesus. To make us holy. It's Jesus who makes us holy. He commands us to be holy. But also, He empowers us to be holy. God demands holiness. He dis- He displays holiness. He demands it. But also, He provides it for you and I. Avoid any view of God as a pushover. Or a view of God that God won't discipline you for your disobedience. Some folks have too much of a uh, Jesus is my homeboy kind of Mentality when it comes to their view of God. Okay, God is a holy God. And lastly, seek to become like your Heavenly Father. Amen? So we have just a a couple minutes here and I'm gonna, I'm gonna close in prayer. If you would like prayer, I got, I got Brock and um, these precious young ladies. Ladies, if you want uh, one of these ladies to pray for you, I'm just gonna take a moment, uh, to, to give some space for prayer. If you would, just bow your heads with me. If you want prayer, you can come on up. Can we just offer our lives to Jesus tonight?